Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the week. It's Doggy Pod time. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Doggy Pod. I'm Dr. Rob Zamet with my friend and fantastic producer. <laughs> my name is Stephen Peters and in this week's episode we'll find out what it means if your dog is a bit of a howler rather than a barker. And with summer here, can you teach your dog to swim better or in fact can you take him swimming at all? And is there such a thing as a doggy shrink? I mean like a doggy psychologist or psychiatrist. Ah, and my top five again this week, Stephen, we're going to look at the top five guard dog breeds in the world. You know, the ones that make you feel safer when you're at home with them, and also the ones that will probably sleep through any break-ins or welcome any intruder. Because guard dogs don't really need to be big, mean-looking dogs, do they? They just need to have a good bark. Yep. Let let you know someone's there and let someone out there know that they're waiting for them. Not a bad job. Now, (laughs) how's the clinic been this week, Rob? Uh, busy as usual, but I had a really fantastic win. Very unusual one. Every, uh, every time is oh, unusual. Oh, this one is. This one was this little boy who'd come in a week before and his parents brought him in with his dog and his dog was quite sick. and had um, probably viral gastroenteritis, is my thoughts. Thankfully, it wasn't a foreign body. We didn't have to operate. What sort of, what sort of dog was it? It was just, just a gorgeous little golden retriever. Not, not old, um, probably about six months old. But this little boy, you know, I said to him, I have to take your little dog in to hospital and I'll look after him for you. I promise I'll look after him for you. Crossing everything, everything would go well because it doesn't always. It's veterinary medicine, it's veterinary science. Things can always go wrong if it's a bad virus attacking them or a foreign body that's ripping through them. And this little boy looked up with, you know, tears in his eyes and said, that's all right, I know you'll look after him. And his parents were just like, oh, my gosh. And I said, what's wrong? I said, he doesn't talk to strangers, doesn't talk much at all. He's autistic, this little boy. They bought the dog for him. Oh. And anyway, I sent him home this week. And again, we had a little conversation and he was thanking me and the parents were in tears. I was in tears, to be honest. It was just, it reminded me of the importance of the, not just the human canine bond and not just the the bond that a child can have with a dog, but how much a dog can get children through all sorts of things. In this case, it was autism. And this child, all of a sudden, is turning his life around just because of a dog. 
The parent said they've noticed that at home he talks more at home to them, but he still hasn't been talking to other people. And all of a sudden, he's talking to me. And you, know, you don't mm. get much more strange than me. But that's this, true, true. That's for sure. But this little kid, I just gorgeous. I, I said, you know, I want to see him in the week. Probably not because I want to see the dog in the week, but I just want to see the kid and the dog <laughs> together again. It's just, just a beautiful, beautiful relationship that they've developed. I've had it before. I have another golden retriever, in fact, that I got for uh, uh, someone, and he's a young man now who's doing so well in his life, and his life's moving forward each step of the time. His mother's always there for him, of course, because he has bad autism, and yet he's functioning quite well in the world because of his dog. His golden retriever uh, is seeing him through things, and we see this a lot. I've had years ago, I had uh, a child that was very... Um, worrisome to the parents because this child was getting skinnier and they said to me, and this child was only about 12, mm. and they said, oh, she's um, anorexic at 12. I thought, oh, gosh. And um, they had like the family dog, but we had this little dog, the tiny little dog uh, that needed a home. And I, I said to them, um, why don't you let me have her one day a week on the weekends, bring her in and we'll... She can play with dogs and be with me and whatever. And she liked that because she'd like to work with animals, she said one day. Mm. I had to de-sex this little dog. So I got her to help me. You know, she assisted me. And then I said, no, I want you to take this dog home and look after it. Much to the parents' surprise. <laughs> and so she took the dog home just to look after it for a while. Never came back to us. Yeah. And she stopped her anorexia. Because she had to stay healthy to look after the mm. dog. How old she was had she? Response. 12, she was 12, yeah. and, and she's you know, matured into a lovely lady with, without the problems of anorexia and bulimia, uh, all because, in her case, of a dog. She had to have the responsibility. Was no use being sick and going to the hospital. Who's going to look after this dog? Mm. And she was. That, that's the way she looked at it, I think. Whatever it was, this dog turned her life around. So if you are having you know, difficulties raising children, which we all do from time to time, Think about getting them the responsibility of a dog. Now he's just giving them and you looking after the dog. Yet it has to be their responsibility. They have to want it. And if you do that, you just may find you'll turn a child's life around. So we need dogs as much as dogs need us, really. Oh, yeah. and, and in fact, what people can't see right now is the, the day we're recording this uh, podcast, there's some big storms brewing outside and Dr. Rob has one of his many... Old English sheepdogs uh, with us sitting here on the floor because um, uh, he or she? He, he Opie. Opie, Opie doesn't Opie. like thunder. Storms, he hates that. He's th- thunderphobic. But as long as he's with me, things are fine. He can get through a thunderstorm if we are together. Yeah. No, he's, he's looking quite comfortable now, so yes. that's good. Now, have you ever wondered with your dog, or any dog really, what is the difference between just barking and when a dog has a good howl? Like even my dog barks most of the time, but just occasionally she'll launch into a howl. Um, so I, I don't know what that means. What, what, is, there, is there a difference between the two? Or? Mm. Yep, there certainly is. and certainly different reasons for doing yeah. different sounds. Uh, and the, the bark is you know, alerting someone or saying to someone, hey, what's going on here, or, you know, or come and get me or whatever. The howl tends to be for different reasons. I mean, we all know of the howl because of sirens, you know, high-pitched noise mm. that goes on and drones on, and so the dogs join in with that howl and 
for whatever reason, they just are answering that noise or that howl, I guess. That's what they're hearing. That's very common if there's a fire, you know, engine going past or a siren of some kind, dogs will join in with that. So and they're just mimicking a sound. Yeah, and as soon as that stops, they stop. Hmm. You know, generally, as soon as it goes past, they stop. The other reason, of course, they howl is all of a sudden they're lonely, and that's going to be one of the problems with COVID. When everybody starts going out back to work, if they do have to go back to work, it'll be a changed world, we know, but... For those dogs that all of a sudden have had their owners 24-7 hmm. and, and all of a sudden I, I'm a bit lonely here, you know, no one's here and no one's here and they'll start howling. So it's a It'll, cry. It can be a cry for, for you know, loneliness. It can be a cry for, hey, where, where's my food? Where's my dinner? Um, all sorts of different reasons why dogs may start to develop howling. And that behaviour sometimes does have to be stopped because it, it can be very annoying to people. I mean, some, well, some yes. dogs can't bark, they can only howl. Okay. <clears throat> and of course, we're talking about the Basenji, African dog that uh, just, is, they say, oh, it's good, you can buy one of those, it doesn't bark. Sure, it certainly doesn't, but boy, can they howl. <laughs> yeah, if have they you heard to. one of those dogs howl? My <laughs> God, yeah. Because yeah. so, so, you often hear of people yeah. complaining to their neighbours because their neighbour's out and their dog just howls all so, day. Yeah, if your dog's howling when you're not there, your dog's lonely, needs some something to keep it company. What do you do? One of the things you can do is leave a radio on. That can really help. You know, they can hear people's sounds, especially um, the talkback radios. But, you know, some dogs do love music. The study of uh, dogs and music shows classical music is the favoured, yes, probably Chopin and, of course, Bach. Um, they just love classical music. Oh, the gags yeah. don't get any better. No, they get worse. The dad jokes they keep coming. Um, so it's worthwhile having something like that on. Uh, the other thing that people can do, and we're going to talk about this in the future, about when we talk about dogs thinking, but you can build mazes for dogs, and they can be really a lot of fun for the dog and something to active to do, an interactive thing. And, of course, don't forget just the old-fashioned certain toys that can keep a dog occupied while you're not around. Those sort of things are important. Also very important to make sure your dog gets what it needs because the dog could be howling just saying, you know... You bought me and you don't take me out. You don't take me tra- dog training ever. You don't do anything with me. I have needs too. If you're going to take a dog on, think about what breed you're taking and what needs are required to f- fulfil that dog. You know, if it's a, a working dog, for example, have you ever thought that maybe you could join one of the clubs near you? There's plenty of them in, right throughout the world that uh, take dogs on to train them for herding. You know, they okay. actually take the, the owner and the dog and the owner goes along once a week and trains them to herd sheep or whatever it is. Really fulfills the dog. There are retrieving things that you can teach a dog if it's one of the what's called the gun dog group where they're you know, bred to retrieve things. So that you could do some retrieving in the morning before you go out. There are other things that you can do um, if you've got a, what's called a utility dog that's trained to do all sorts of things. You can take it over jumps and take it for a run, teach it to you know, all sorts of commands, drop on command, those sort of things are important to the dog. Mightn't be important to you, but it gives the dog a lot. Hmm. The agility dogs have a lot of fun on agility courses. Build a little one at home, even if you're not going to go into agility trials, and take your dog through it every morning before you go to work can really help fulfil your dog's needs. 
So a howl is either just mimicking a sound or it's a cry for help, basically. Yeah, it is a cry for help. Loneliness or boredom or whatever it is, and you're sitting me in this backyard, you brought me home, there, was a, there is an unwritten contract that we're going to look after each other and you're not doing that. That's it. <laughs> you could probably hear that little whimper there in the background. Does that mean the storm's getting storm's close? Storm's close. He knows long before we know that there's a storm here. That's amazing. Incredible, isn't it? They feel the drop in pressure. We don't know. It's a sixth sense they have, is it? They probably feel the drop in barometric pressure. They can hear a lot more than we can hear. They pick up different sounds that we can't pick up. He knows it's coming. Mm. So speaking of storms, that's one thing we do get in Australia, uh, particularly here in Sydney where we are, uh, over summer... Uh, some big storms. Oh, poor fella, he can, he can, he can hear thunder coming. Um, we get some big storms um, in summer, but I'm just wondering, do all dogs know how to swim? Is it an innate skill that they can somehow swim? And if they're not great, can we? is there such a thing as a doggy a swimming, swimming school <laughs> yeah, for dogs? <laughs> um, Probably not. Pretty much they've mastered one stroke, of course, that we all know. Yes. Yes, the dog paddle. <laughs> the dog paddle. Not backstroke. Um all dogs seem to be able to swim. It'd be unusual for a dog to fall in and drown. Uh, it would drown more because it's got some problem with um, a lot of hair, and it shouldn't. You know, dogs with a lot of the oh, coat. might be heavy. Yeah. yeah. But having said that, there are dogs, big dogs, with pretty heavy coat that are bred to swim. Of course, I'm talking about a breed called the Newfoundland. They are really big dogs. And they and they're ha- they're very hairy. They're, they're quite hairy, but, yeah. but they get and that protects them in the cold because they come up. You know, Newfoundland's a, a very cold area of the world mm. where they're bred, where they started, originated, and they're bred to pull uh, boats along. So they go in the water. The fishermen throw them a line, and they grab it in their mouth and pull it along. They're also Go wow. out and they'll save fishermen. You know, if a man falls overboard, the dog would always dive in to try and save the actual person that's there. They're a fantastic dogs. So dogs can swim. And if you're worried about your dog, firstly, should you take your dog swimming? Um, and mm. I, think, I think it's a yes in Sydney. They, they love it. All my dogs do. Even my pug loves going swimming. Mm. He comes out with me and he'll go in the pool or he, we'll take him to the beach and he just loves to swim. If you're worried about your dog, you can buy floaties for your dog. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> there, there, there are all sorts of floaties. There's... The harness type, which you know, around, sits around its sits body, sits around that body, and they can you know, helps them swim along. There's the donut shape, you know, the, the round ones with the hole where the, mm. you put them on, uh, put their head through it, and put it on on their body so their head can lean on it, and they can do the the dog's paddle a lot easier. And there are even dog floats where they can just lay on it and sunbake on the water. <laughs> I you don't think I'd ever see a dog do that. Wait till you see the ones that you can buy. You would not believe it. There's this one of this great big long dog mm. laying on its back in the water. It's a you know, blow up yeah. and the dog sits on that. It's just all different shapes and sizes. Fantastic the things you can get for dogs these days. But, yeah, they love swimming. The only thing I would say to you, of course, when you take your dog swimming, do it early-ish in the morning, like out 10-ish or whatever, because you should come home and rinse them off. You know, yeah, all that salt yeah. water on them and the sand, they should come back and have a... Have be rinsed off and enough time to dry before night comes so they're not cold. Yeah. Don't yeah. forget those sort of things. They're pretty important. I take mine down to the beach and they love running into the surf 
Uh, if you, uh, what's common these days, a lot of people like taking their dogs on their paddle boards. You know, those long mm. paddle boards. I have seen a few of those There's in the harbour, actually. And lots yeah. of dogs on them too these days. Mm. Haven't seen one with a dog paddling on its own yet, <laughs> but they have seen dogs surfing on their own. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. not uncommon. They love that. And again, it's a good idea to have one of those floaties because it does help the dog in the surf. If, you know, if he gets wiped out on the wave, he comes up every time. So a dog is unlikely in calm water to drown. I wouldn't imagine. I've never heard of that happening other than you know, something bad happening to the dog. Yeah, right. Okay, and and obviously there's not really such a thing as doggy swim classes or anything other than <laughs> other than the flotation devices. You yeah, mentioned. look, if you take your dog and he's never been, take it easy with them. Don't go you know, into the deep end straight away. Hmm. There are there are swimming pools for dogs. Really? Oh yes, there are swimming pools for dogs right, right round, um, and you can take your dog along. They put them usually in a harness. There's someone supervising to make sure your dog's okay, and you don't overdo it. Mm. Swimming is non-weight bearing exercise for a dog, so it's great for their joints, but it's very exhausting for a dog as well. It's a natural stroke that they do, so not don't make it too long, or your dog will have problems. Another thing you will have problems with when you, if you go to the beach, the salt water, your dog will lap some of the water. They always do. And they will, when they pass that through, it doesn't come out the uh, urine end, it comes out the other end as sheer water. Just don't panic about that. It settles down. So salt water goes right through them. Goes through them, cleans them right out very, very, it shoots out of them, out their back end, very quickly. No big deal. It settles down very fast after that. So it doesn't doesn't offend me when that happens when I take my dog swimming. I let them do it before they get in the car, and then we come home for their bath before uh, drying them off. I reckon greyhounds would probably be fast swimmers. <laughs> they love swimming. In fact, a lot of um, greyhound trainers will do that. They'll take their greyhounds swimming uh, as part of their exercise once a week or once a fortnight to just keep you know, good non-weight-bearing exercise, build up the muscles, and they love it. They do love it. There you go, everybody. This summer, I want you to take your dog down to the beach or to a... Uh, local lake or river or yeah. something and Be give aware, them a good swim. Not all places will allow dogs. Some beaches do. There are there are beach-friendly dogs, so find out from your council where that might be in your area. Mm. There are areas on the river that, and there are certainly doggy swimming pools. One of the issues with some of the doggy swimming pools is you get a lot of dogs there and a lot of wet ground, so you've got to be watch, out, watch out for worms. Make sure your dog is wormed regularly if you go to a doggy swimming pool. Right. All right, we probably all from time to time think our dogs may be gone a little bit mad or a little bit crazy or acting weird. Uh, I know mine does. Is there such a thing as a doggy psychiatrist or psychologist if you think your dog's got some (laughs) some issues? Or uh, some, um, you know, fretting about things or that sort of stuff. Like the dog that we've got with us today who frets over a, a, a storm, storm that's storm heading Storm phobia yeah. is one of the things that, that a lot of the behaviourists try and yeah. uh, help with, but very, very difficult to help with. But, yes, um, I guess the doggy psychiatrist is the dog behaviourist. Yes. There's big arguments about who should be trained and who's trained oh. to do it and who's not trained to be a, a, a dog behaviourist. And there are also good dog trainers that they mightn't be trained as behaviourists, but they're just very good at training dogs. Because what does a a dog behaviourist do? Of course, they modify behaviour or try and help modify the behaviour of dogs. In truth, to do that, they're mostly 
modifying the behaviour of the owner. They're saying yeah, to the owner, okay. do it this way so the dog does it that way yeah. and then you mightn't have so much problems. So that's one of the things that the behaviourist has to look at, not just the behaviour of the dog, but what's brought on that behaviour. It's usually some problem with the owner, to be honest. Most, mm. most times when I have people coming in for um, help with behavioural problems, like anxiety and those sort of things, well, what's brought on the anxiety? You know, did you ever crate train your dog? Because we've talked about crate training. Ideal to crate train your dog when it's young. Do you ever, you know, did you ever teach your dog to stay on its own and, and mm. give it things that it could enjoy while it's on its own? Do it while they're young. You don't have separation anxiety when they're older. So there are all these type of things that they will take on, but it's a matter of look at the dog, look at the behaviour, how are we going to modify it? And every time the only person who can modify it is the owner. So we have to train the owner to modify that behaviour. So if you think your dog's got issues over whatever, um, where would you find a dog behaviourist? Uh, certainly uh, at dog training classes, some of them will help. Um, some of them are very good at instructing those. If they feel that, no, your dog's really in trouble, they might say, talk to your vet about an actual be- behavioural specialist. There are hmm. specialist veterinarians that you know, they've oh, worked yeah. in that field. Um, such and, such but, as yourself? Well, I'm not a specialist, but mm. I've worked in the field a lot. I mean, I started with dog training back in yeah. Yeah, a long well, time when, ago. Back when everything was in black and white. That's right, yeah. it was too. Um, and then um, went from there. So there's lots of veterinarians and lots of dog trainers that do very, very good work in that field. And then there are specialist behavioural people that will do it, but they don't have to be veterinarians. I mean, one of the greatest behaviourists of all times back in the uh, 40s and 50s was a guy called Conrad Lorenz. And he was a certainly a behavioural scientist, but never a veterinarian, and wrote some of the uh, initial things on behaviour that still work today. Animal behaviour is a very interesting science. It's mm. still a growing mm. science for, for all animals, but for dogs in particular, because they're so close to us and so trainable. It's a good place to go if, you, uh, if you're having problems with your dogs and no one seems to be able to solve it. Talk to your vet about going to a behavioural specialist. I often wonder what goes through dogs' minds when they look at us. <laughs> they <laughs> think we're crazy. They must think we're weird and we need yeah. to go and see them. Anyway. Yeah, we are, who, who's going to see the specialist, they say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not literally me. No, very often it's uh, it's us, isn't it? I mean, but then but again, you're right, though. A lot of the uh, issues that dogs might have um, oh, yeah. really come from their owners. Yeah, I mean, with me it's different. I mean, I was crazy before it was fashionable to be crazy. That's true, you yeah, were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you go back a long way in crazy. All righty. It's that time of the week where it's Dr. Rob's top five. Now, Dr. Rob's top five this week are guard dogs. Not necessarily big, mean, Rottweiler-type guard dogs, but dogs that will be really good at alerting you if there's an intruder or something's happening outside that you should be aware of, but not to the point where they're just barking at anything which would just be damn irritating. (laughs) So um, I don't want them... I want them to be exactly that. They would, hey, someone's out there, and that person out there, here's the dog and thinks twice if they're going to be menacing. Um, by the same token, they've got to be dogs that will allow people to come in when they're supposed to, not eat them 
<laughs> okay, so let's count down from number five to number one. So, so number five. So top uh, the number five was the Mastiff breeds. A lot of the Mastiff breeds are, are really good. You know, release the dogs of war. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were Mastiffs, Neapolitan Mastiffs, and Cane Corso, and a whole lot of other big. What's Mastiff, what's a Mastiff that we a would bull know? Mastiff, a bull um, Mastiff. Uh, I guess you you need to understand they're big, you know, slightly squashed in face, some okay. of them. Um, but they're just very, very big dogs. And their bark, when they bark, everybody listens. They can hear, You can hear it. And they're very discerning dogs, but they're also very good dogs from, you know, if, with, uh, with an owner that knows what they're doing. Okay, coming in at number four. The Belgian Shepherds, the you know, Gronendale, Tavuren, the... Uh, Lacanois and the Malinois. They, I don't know any of those dogs, Rob. Oh, Belgian shepherds are v- right. v- used a lot in the police force overseas. In Belgium? Yeah, no, all over Europe, all over Europe. Ooh. They're very, very popular now in Australia as well. Since some of our police have taken on Belgian shepherds, and so you can, if you Google Belgian shepherds and Google um, images of them, there are four different types. And one of them is very beautiful. Two of them are very beautiful with long coats. One's got a, a short coat, wiry coat, and the other one's got almost a curly type coat. They're just lovely dogs. Coming in at number three. The Rottweiler. I mean, you're not going to well, go I knew a Roddy would be in there somewhere. Be, well, yeah. It's got to be well trained because an, an untrained Roddy is not so discerning, and that right. worries me. So they have to be trained. So people that have uh, Rottweilers and do training will always say, yep, I feel Perfectly safe when I go to bed. Coming in at number two. Ah, oh, the lads. The lads from oh. Magnum. Doberman. Oh, Doberman. You know, not many people would uh, take on a Doberman if, if it's guarding the place. You know, they'll think twice about that. And number one, best well, guard dog you can have is... It's not because it's just the breed that I started with and love so I know much. exactly what it's yeah, going to be. But, but it's... They can certainly be taught to be very, very discerning. They know what they're doing. They, they, in fact, it's even in their standard, they should have that power, the ability to, to reason a bit. That's the German Shepherd. Yeah. All right, they're the top five guard dogs to have sitting on your couch. If you want to feel safe now, there must be some breeds out there that are absolutely bloody hopeless and could not be bothered getting up if there's, you know, an army outside banging down your front door. And, and what, what, are, what are a couple of breeds you think would fall into that category, right? Well, the Labrador is easily distracted with food, for sure. Oh, I mean, they'll bark, but they are also easily distracted with food. Right, so, so easily bribed, okay, yep. hopeless. Yep. And coming in right on them, of course, is their cousin, the Golden Retriever. Uh, they love people. They just, you know, not so much food, but people, come in, come in here. Yes. You, <laughs> you like? with the balaclava, come yeah. on in. Yeah, the TV's over there. Hey, that must be how thought for all guard dogs at the moment. Everyone's wearing a mask. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Second in, uh, award goes to a breed where the breed standard actually says friendly to all mankind. And Bur- burglars included. Yeah, that's the Samoid. Oh. Beautiful dogs. They're so friendly. They are loving, loving dogs. They will bark, but, you know, if you say, so come here, come on, darling. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, okay. So what um, do you think then is the most hopeless dog oh, breed for being a guard dog? The only time you'll guard is if someone tries to get on his lounge. Right. The greyhound. Oh, they, really? They are fabulous dogs. They love they everybody. Are. I've only ever seen one greyhound that was aggressive with people. That's pretty unusual. 
they just love people. So just you come into there and all you can hear is bang, 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 which is their tail wagging on the lounge. Yes, right. They're loving dogs. Actually, we post occasionally some videos and pictures of a greyhound called Ollie. Yes, I remember who, who was well. uh, one of our uh, doggy pod listeners. And uh, yeah, absolute cutie is Ollie. Now, that's pretty much it for our show this week. We really appreciate you listening and please go to our, our Facebook page and we're, we're very soon going to have a YouTube page as well. Um, so please come along. We've got all our videos on that. Um, and we'll see you next week on The Doggy Pod. And as Mark Twain said, this is my quote for this week, Mark Twain, if you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. This is the principal difference between a dog and a man. <laughs> <laughs> or a human, really. Yeah, so you just got to say human now. <laughs> See you next week. All the best, guys.